Ladies and gentlemen, welcome into the Splitting Hairs podcast brought to you by Jackrabbit Illustrated. We are the B team and we are late. <laughs> we told everybody it was supposed to be A15, but we're a little late. Uh, but we are just spinning. There's so much going on this week. We got pods dropping everywhere. We got football season coming up. We had a we got a huge basketball weekend coming up for the Jacks up in Fargo. Softball team is going. Soccer team's going. Baseball season starting. Track and field's going right now. Oh, my God. We've got so much going on that uh, Ben is drinking a ice-cold Pilsner from a red Solo cuff mm -hmm. to keep his head right. And, yeah, man, it is a huge week. First, first depth chart just dropped um, for football. Um, the Noah Friedel news. I mean, where to even start with everything that's going on? I'd like to start by congratulating you on a clean, smooth intro. That's what I'm here for. Did you read that off of a uh, script? <laughs> no, I wrote it on my hand and I got sweaty. <laughs> I wiped it on my forehead. You've seen Ocean's Eleven, it gets stuck. That's why I wear a hat all the time. I get on my <laughs> no, I was proud of you. That was clean, but yes. Yeah. A lot to get to. So let's get going. We don't want to make this. We try to keep it under an hour. We're going to do that tonight. No, it's going to be tough. It's no, going to be not. tough, but we're going to. We, we have to talk about there's a lot. No, there's no way we do that. We're going to do it. I'm just calling um, it right now. Every time we say 30 minutes, it ends up being an hour and 15. And now we've got football in there too. Oh, my God. You think hour? You are insane. We, we're going to do our best. We will try. I make no promises. Ben's crazy. All right, so where, where do we even start? Let's start Probably first basketball. off. Well, yeah, let's well, obviously basketball, but women's or men's. I think we should start with women's real quick. Um, wanted to touch on how they keep dominating, and for some reason, the net ranking still is just awful. Yes, the net rankings is a travis mockery. I don't even want, oh, just blah. There's what I think I counted five teams, four four to six teams that are ahead of SDSU in the net rankings that SDSU has beaten, and half of those teams we have a better record than. So riddle me that. One of those teams we swept and beat by 20 points in one of the games, but apparently actual results don't count, and the net rankings is basically whose line is it anyway. So I don't know where to, where to even – they're a joke it is a joke but yeah yeah i agree but uh one thing i did see is that i was just going to confirm it to make sure i wasn't lying to anybody um i believe uh did you see the bracketology that came out with sdsu i, I did charlie cream's bracket charlie cream's bracketology that's a tongue twister um mm -hmm. they're six seed projected right now yes that's insane. Yeah. That's awesome. For mid major six seed. That is nuts. That yeah. Is absolutely bonkers. And so it's exciting. Hopefully they don't, you know, hopefully it doesn't go to their head because, you know, we've seen before when we get ranked in the top 25, then we, you know, kind of lose some momentum and slip and fall. And they've been keeping some good momentum being in the top 25 now. I don't, what is, what are we ranked right now? Are we still, well, I believe in the, I believe in the media poll, we're still 23. Third, last I saw, okay. but we also jumped into the coaches poll at 25. And another thing I want to give a shout out to Maya Selling got Summit League Player of the Week for a record sixth time in one season. Yeah, she's a beast. Uh, and 
Uh, how crazy it is like that we just keep getting these uh, athletes that are just so good and they're all local. Yeah, like, all of them. It's, what is it's all around I mean, the region. It's absolutely bonkers. And that it's they just keep chugging and it's a machine right now. It is an absolute blast to watch. I'm enjoying mm -hmm. the hell out of it. I agree. So go watch some SDSU women's basketball. Um, the Like we've said, the Summer League tournament's around the corner. Uh, hopefully they can dominate through that and take a full head of steam into the tournament. So 100%. All right, let's move on to men's basketball. Huge uh, news came out just this morning. Yep. Noah Friedel is going to sit out the rest of the season to tend to some um, health issues um, related to uh, mental health stuff. And so, yeah, it's a big blow to the team, but, you know, at least hopefully he can get the help he needs and, um, yeah, get it, get his life straight. Cause I mean, at, at some point sports don't matter if you, if you, you know, if, if other stuff is going on. So yeah, uh, best of luck to him and, and hopefully he can get right. Yeah. I mean, a hundred percent. Yeah. It's going to hurt the team, but that depression stuff, that's, that's no joke, man. It's cost. There's a lot of people who it's cost loved ones and things like that. Net, I mean, yeah, we lose a couple points on the basketball court. So what? We'd rather, you know, have him get himself healthy, get his get his mind right and everything like that. Huge props to the kid, because when you're in college as a guy, especially a college athlete, having to go out there and I mean, where he's sitting with all the rumors that were flying and people wondering why he wasn't playing that second game and everything like that. Um, it takes a lot for him to go out in front of the media and and admit what he did or what not what he did, but what he's got going on, what he's dealing with, and that's why he's stepping back. And so huge props to Noah for jumping out there. Um, hopefully anybody who does see that or um, is listening to this and hears that and you're struggling yourself, hopefully you know you think about taking care of it if you can. Um but no, just huge props to the guys. That's that's uh, that's nothing. That's not fun. I know he didn't want to make that decision. Um, the kid loves to play basketball. You see it on his face every time he's out there. So um, I'm I'm proud of the kid for going out and making the right decision for himself to get well. No doubt, and it's it's kind of a, a movement we've seen lately, especially you know it's it's kind of a highlighted in sports where um, there's a bigger emphasis being put on mental health which is a really good thing. Cause I think it's something that it, people just kind of try to suppress and not talk about. Um, mm -hmm. And so you've seen some major athletes and pro sports come out and talk about depression and, and how they've dealt with it and, and the struggle they've gone through. And I think that's kind of been a gateway to have people have that conversation a little more freely um, because yep. it was, you know, before it kind of had the stigma, like, well, while you're yeah, got mental health problems, you know, like, right. Whereas now it's more of like, yeah, let's, that's, that's a real thing and we need to deal with it. And it's, it's a, a very serious issue. And, um, yeah. So again, yeah, like you said, props to him for, um, you know, stepping out and making sure he gets his mind right. Cause you know, it'd be easy for a guy to just try to suppress it and try to push his way through the season. But, um, you know, if he can, uh, refocus and, uh, really, uh, really spend time on himself. I think that'll be good for him in the long run. Yep, absolutely. And I mean, you could kind of tell something wasn't right the last couple of games he played in, you know, mm -hmm. um, and mental is a huge part of any athletic event. So um, 
I'm not going to say it didn't surprise me, but or anything like that, obviously. I think everybody was surprised when that came out. But, mm-hmm. you know, moving forward, I mean, the team itself, I think they're going to rally around this quite a bit. And I think you saw that the, that game. And Noah was, um, from all accounts that I've heard, very invested in the game on the bench. And so I think the team's really going to rally around this. It's not um, like a death blow or anything for the summit chances looking forward. Not to, um, you know, obviously we're we're proud of Noah and everything, but we got to talk about how this affects the, the, the team. And... I think there's still plenty of talent there. I don't think this sinks any ships by any means. Obviously, we saw that against in the second game against Oral Roberts. Certainly. Yeah, I mean, they, we have a lot of talent on this team, and, you know, we, we talk about it over and over again about how we have so many guys that can, can score the ball, um, which was really Noah's forte. And I think that, you know, we'll just have guys that'll, that'll fill, fill in and um, – you know, they'll obviously miss him. I mean, he's a great player, but um, we got some really good guys still on the team that, um, yeah, I think, like you said, I think they'll rally around it. I think they'll, I think they'll obviously support Noah and I think they'll kind of take it up upon themselves to kind of pick him up and, uh, you know, show him that, you know, even, you know, that they got his back and that, that they'll, they'll uh, you know, they'll still march on and, and uh, still play good basketball without him. Yep thousand percent and looking back on this weekend's games though here with uh or you that first game the, the wheels just kind of fell off uh defensively um but then the second game in and, and amos amos is how you say it i think the i have was no unconscious idea. yeah it, it i think from what i've read it's supposed to be pronounced odd compared to its spelling but Anyway, well, yeah, the kid I, was out of his mind all weekend, just unconscious. Yeah, he Stanley Amume, Stanley Amume, Stanley Amude for two full games and just couldn't miss. Yeah, he was ridiculous. But yeah, I, I was calling him Abmus, and and then I heard on the broadcast they were calling them like Aesmus or something like that. So yeah, it's I have no idea how they end up with that. But uh, yeah, he was unreal um, in that first game. He went off for, uh, where is it? Forty-two points. That's a couple. That that's, hurts. Yeah, that'll hurt you. That's good. Um, five of eight from three, fourteen to twenty from the field. Yeah, that's real good. Um, that was a game that we were up by four at halftime. We yep. were. I almost. I'm glad I didn't text it. But in like it was the first. I think the first ten minutes of the game, we had like thirty points. We were on pace for like 120 points. And I think we were up by like 10 or 12 at that time. And I was thinking, man, we are just a train right now. Like we're, you know, we're, <laughs> who's going to stop us? And then something, I don't know, something happened. I, I the, the Aismas obviously was a big part of it, but, um, you know, they, they cut down the lead going into half and then they just took off. They scored 56 yeah. points on us in that second half. Um, <sighs> Uh, which is a lot. Um, <laughs> yeah. Obviously, a lot of it was that Aismas, but um, O'Banner was, he scored 18, um, and they had some other guys chip in too, especially from three. Um, that Jurgens was three or four from three, um, and another guy was three, seven. So, yeah, I mean, they, they were just hot and uh, an offensive juggernaut in that game that we could not contend with. 
Well, and really, they were hot all weekend. They still put up a mm-hmm. ton of points in the second game, too. We just outscored them, mm-hmm. you know, and that it, that'll happen when you're playing at other teams' gyms, you know, when they're comfortable shooting and they're used to that that gym and they get hot. They're not a bad team by any stretch. I mean, they went up to NDSU and took one out of two from them. Mm-hmm. So they're, I believe, tied with us for first or one game out and i know there's at least a three-way tie between us usd and ndsu so they're they're nothing to sneeze at and taking one in their court isn't anything to be ashamed of by any stretch i know we were all hoping for a sweep but now it's coming down to crunch time and it's i mean i wouldn't have it any other way going up to fargo and getting to play the homeless cows i mean bison um <laughs> and uh, in in their gym, and it'd be real nice to snatch the souls right out of them and get a get a sweep up there. Yeah, let's let's hope we can uh, keep that momentum going for that second game. Um, you know, one thing from from those Laura Roberts games that I was uh, glad to see was uh, the continued presence down low and not yep. not relying on the three point as mm-hmm. much as they had been. Um, it definitely paid off in that second game. And I mean, we scored 86 in the first game. It's not like we didn't score points. Um, right. We just couldn't stop them on, on defense. But um, yeah, I mean, Dentlinger putting in uh, 16 and 10. Um, and Wilson had a couple of good games too, 15 and 23. Um, right. And then Apple had uh, 8 and 10. So, I mean, our post guys are scoring a lot of points. Um, and which we're going to need. I mean, I think that's going to be, if it wasn't already a focus, it's certainly a focus now with Friedel also out. You know, you lose a three-point yeah. threat, um, and so we're going to have to really um, rely on that going forward. Yeah, a three-point threat that was shooting, not just a three-point threat, but like probably the best in the conference. I mean, what, 40% from three with it was like how 45%. often – got 45%. He was at one point like second in the nation for three point percentage. So yeah, that's going to be a big deal. And, you know, especially now with uh, Friedel being out, I know last week I said, I felt this team had to prove they were as good as we thought they were. Um, You know, it's even more so now, now the guys, and I think they're going to have a little bit more of a a chip on their shoulder to prove um, how good they are. So I'm really looking forward to that. Um, yeah, I think I think it'll be a combination. You know, if you're looking for who's going to replace those points, it'll be a combination of Shireman and Arians, yeah. um, especially Arians. He had kind of taken a back seat offensively because we had just had yeah. so many offensive threats that he didn't have to score points. Um, whereas in the first game he scored 11, the second game he scored 15, um, right. and Shireman went for 15 and 22. Yeah. Um, so. I think Shireman's um, average will go up, and you'll see Arians start to score some double digits pretty consistently too. Yeah, and, you know, I'm wondering, you know, because we talked about Charlie Hustle last week, mm-hmm. but um, I'm wondering if his offensive production and his role starts to expand a little bit. I know he puts a lot of effort in on the defensive end, but like we talked about, he's, he's not an offensive liability, and I'm wondering if the extra need for points is going to open up something for him there, and he ends up being a – really good all-around player that is a little is more than a role player certainly yeah he he went uh nine the first game and 12 the second game uh very efficiently too i mean he was 60 percent shooting in the first in the first game 50 percent in the second game so you know he's an efficient offensive player that like you said is capable 
and yeah, I think he'll he'll fill in that void as well. And you know, I think if anybody stands to gain minutes from Friedel being out, it's easily. Um, I yep. think because he even started that second game when Friedel sat out. Yep. Um, so I think that's a good indication that um, he'll he'll be getting a lot of those minutes going forward. Yeah. Yep. A hundred percent. You know, and I. Who do you? How do you think uh, the we match up? Because I know we've never really talked about you know how the team matches up per se, but I know talking during like the USD game and things like that when I was venting to you through text you're like man that's just a rough matchup wise for us and i've seen other people say that where you know mude when he can when you when teams are if if teams are able to guard doug one-on-one it makes us it makes life a lot harder on us and that's just extremely rare because doug's so darn good so do you think that's a similar situation with cruiser do you think he's gonna be able to hang with doug because personally i think he's gonna get cruiser into a bunch of foul trouble yeah, no, I don't. I I think you're right. I don't. I don't think he can play good enough defense on Wilson without fouling. Um, I think if I remember back to the the game at the Pentagon we played in NDSU, I think they started to get into some foul trouble, um, and they had issues there. Um, so yeah, that's definitely something to watch. Um, we've seen it though, where if you get if you get some refs that let him play and let him right. body us up, I mean we struggle because I mean it's just. I think it's kind of a little bit of the nature of the athletes we have in terms of, right. um, you know, like Dentlinger and Will and Apple seem to like to bang a little more, but Wilson's not a, a bang or post player. He's a more of a finesse guy. And yep. if you, if you let somebody really body him up and don't call fouls, he'll struggle a little bit. So yeah, just, I mean, it really, some of it depends on the refs too, how they're calling the game. Yeah, that and it's good that you mentioned that because especially, I mean, especially against NDSU with the just absolute mind-numbingly horrific offense that they run, um, that the a, a rock fight favors them hugely because they want to keep the score low and they want to keep you bogged down and be able to bang and bang and bang and bang and just wear you down and win by ten points at the end, maybe if they're really whooping up on somebody. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it'll be it, it'll be interesting. Um, they're they're actually coming off of a bye week. They didn't even have a game games last weekend, um, and then their prior game to that was they had a couple against Oral Roberts. Um, one of those rock fights you're talking about where they won, and then Oral Roberts kind of um, scored some points against them in the second game and beat them. Um, but so it'll be interesting to see how they come off of not having game for two weeks. Um, I know we've seen SDSU come off of a two-week break and be a little rusty. So, um, yeah, that'll be something to look for too, I think. Yeah, I think the goal with them is to get them to start chasing points on you because that just gets them out of their whole flow and what they're looking to accomplish and make them push themselves because then they seem to end up being a team that'll just pass the ball around and then jack up a three if you start getting them to push and not, not play their game. No, definitely. Yeah, they don't. They would rather not have to score seventy points. Yep. They want to win by scoring sixty points. Um, yep. And I think, I think that plays well into our hands just because of the pace that we run on offense, um, the amount of points we can put up. And one thing that I loved against ORU was we ran uh, any miss, the ball was headed up court 
right away. Mm-hmm. And we got a lot of uh, good looks in transition. Um, we've got some really good passers and some guys that can run the court really well. Um, I think you'll continue to see that against NDSU this weekend. So who do you think's the big breakout player this 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 week then? Do you think uh, it's Baylor again? I don't even know if you'd c- consider him a breakout player because he's been having such a banger of a season already. I mean, Captain Double-Double himself. I mean, mm-hmm. who do you see coming out and having a huge game? You know, I, if I, I would say Baylor's probably going to have the biggest games. I think he'll, you know, between – you could tell that second game against ORU where Wilson scored 23, Baylor scored 22. Um, and, you know, Wilson's putting up 17 shots, Baylor's putting up 16. The next highest total shots put up are eight. Um, right. And so, you know, I think there'll be a pretty heavy focus on those two. Um, so I would I would say Shireman's going to be the one that really shines against NDSU. And I think I'm thinking he can settle into the role of being the main offensive guy and i'm kind of excited to watch it happen yeah i'm uh i'm excited to see how he how he does with the spotlight on him because the spotlight is going to be on him now he's Mm kind of always been that third guy that third steady always there he's really good but he doesn't get all the shine that uh noah and douglas got douglas wilson gets so um i'm i'm interested to see how he does i think he's really gonna I think he's really going to blow up big for us. Yeah, I think he's he's comfortable in the facilitator role, definitely. And you know, he's had games where Noah's been out, um, but and he hasn't really pressed as much. Um, but I think now that Noah's out for the rest of the season, I think that we'll see a uh, kind of extra emphasis on him being a, a full offensive threat that really um, tries to rack up some points and. Yeah, like you said, uh, just excited to see how he takes it on because I think he's a very capable um, person to do that. So, yeah, we'll see how it goes. With that, let's uh, look at the results from last weekend quick. Uh, We talked about the SDSU games. Obviously, um, ORU took the first one. We took the second one. And if I look at our picks quick, um, we both had SDSU sweeping. And so uh, the other one was uh, Western Illinois and Denver. Um, Western yep. Illinois took care of them twice. Um, I think Western Illinois has got some good stuff going on. I think they're going to be a tough out in the tournament. Um, their record doesn't show that they're a very good team, but um, I think they got, they got some momentum going. And then we had uh, USD and UND, which um, wouldn't you know it, uh, USD lost twice. That's wow, That's a shame. <laughs> That's too bad. It's really too bad. I mean, oh, they, I, feel, I feel awful just besides myself. Yeah. I mean, you know, they had a real opportunity to take some momentum and then they lost their second game against us and then they lost two more. So now that momentum is gone and uh, it makes, makes uh, these last last couple of weeks really interesting. Um, the other series uh, didn't really matter much. It was Omaha and UMKC. Um, those were kind of ugly games. UMKC won both of them. Um, like we said in the past, I think Omaha's kind of done with the season. Yeah, they've tuned out. I think it's they're, they're. I think they go defeated. I really do. 
It is possible. They it was looking for a while there, like Denver was going to be the dweller, but uh, I think Omaha's decided that they do, don't want any part of coming to Sioux Falls for summer league tournament, even though it's a short drive for them. Right. I, not I think the, the Denver folks would want to party in Denver more than the Omaha folks want to stay and party in Omaha. But hey, mm-hmm. sometimes you're wrong. Yeah, because I mean, they, well, the interesting thing is Omaha and Denver play the last week of the season. So that might be the play in games for the summer league tournament. So we'll have to watch how those play out. That is right. But let's stick with this weekend. Um, We've got North Dakota and Omaha. I will let you pick that one first. Well, I don't know. Is it? Oh, it is. It is. Oh, that's what I lied to you. UND at Omaha. What do you think happens there? I think I know where you're going with it, but you tell me. Is this a trick question? We just talked about how we think they gave up on the season. The yeah. only sticky wicket is that it's North Dakota, and they are the Jekyll and Hyde of the conference. So if there was one team to screw up what we just said, it would be North Dakota. But I'm going to go ahead and take North Dakota to sweep because I really do think that's going to happen. I'm there with you. I think there's no way they lose – um, next one's Denver at UMKC. Um, UMKC is another team that they've got some good things going. I think they're kind of like Western Illinois where the record really doesn't show it, but as the season's gone on, they've kind of put some stuff together. Um, so I think UMKC takes both of those as well. Yeah, I, uh, I gotta agree there, especially with them being at home. Um, I gotta go with UMKC. And then we've got uh, Oral Roberts at USD, which is a really big series um, because, like you alluded to, there is a three-way tie at the top of the standings um, in the Summit League. Turn in the Summit League is uh, NDSU, USD, and SDSU all have the same conference win percentage, which yep. is what they're going to use to seed the tournament this year. Um, so they're both nine and three, and we're six and two which all equals 75% win percentage. And then Or Roberts is, I guess, kind of technically a game behind. Um, they're at a 67% win percentage. So it'll be uh, – Or Roberts has a real b- big opportunity there to kind of move into the, the top two or three. So what are, you, what are you seeing for that game? I mean, this this is kind of tough. You could spin it as USDs in a tailspin because they're one and three in their first four games against two of the top teams in the conference. Or not even. I mean, UND is not even the top team in the conference. They're one and three in the last four games going into playing the other two top teams in the conference. So that's not ideal for them. But um, Oral Roberts just has this habit of splitting and with it being in USD, I just got to guess that they're going to split again because that's what Oral Roberts tends to do. So I'm going to go ahead and say that ORU is going to drop the first game and then they're going to take the second game on Sunday. Drop Which the first. Will, yeah, I'm probably am going to have this backwards so I can give you even <laughs> more of a chance of gaining on me. But I'll go opposite of you. I think, of course, you are. I think ORU is hot, um, even though they lost their second game against us. Um, uh, that Azemus, he's just on fire right now. And I, uh, 
that USD stadium seems to be pretty friendly for shooters. It's kind of a nice, um, small arena, I guess. Um, I'm yep. going to go with, or are you taking the first one and then USD kind of fighting back and taking the second one? Cause like you said, or you just seems to not be able to string together wins. So, um, we'll go, or are you, and then USD. And then we've got the big one, uh, SDSU versus NDSU at NDSU. Ah, oh, man, it sucks that both of these games are in Fargo. Um, I should be happy cause I probably would be able to make them, but daughter's birthday that weekend so i'll be preoccupied with that unfortunately well not unfortunately that i have a daughter or anything but it's uh it we just have a tough time up in fargo but i also think the team's gonna come out with something to prove i think um we were able to take them without doug so i think with doug to go against Cruiser is going to be all sorts of problems for North Dakota State, plus Dentlinger and Apple being able to rotate in there. Uh, so I'm going to go ahead and take us uh, with a split, or not a split. We're going to sweep. Get your get your brooms out, <laughs> which I think uh, I've predicted for every single Jacks weekend so far. I'm, I'm not biased. I'm just positive. Which is fair. I mean, I, we were picked, you know, the heavy preseason favorite in the conference. So, you know, we should have run through the conference has been a little rougher road than we thought. Um, I think the guys really found something in that second game with Noah out. Um, they kind of banded together and put together a really good offensive game. I think they keep that momentum going and put up a lot of points against NDSU. And like we've said, they don't like to, they don't, they don't, they're not comfortable in high scoring games. So we'll take SDSU twice um, in, in a couple high high scoring games. I'm for it. I'm all for it. So where are we sitting for our picks total right now? I gained one back on you this last week, so I think you're only up on me by one this year. One or two. Got one back. We got a couple weeks left. We'll see how we end up. Looking forward to it. But pivoting at the 30-minute mark of all things, Jackrabbit football starts this week. Woo. And it's going to be good. Yeah, and to be honest with you, um, the excitement of football season for me usually builds and builds and builds and builds and builds and builds until I can't hardly stand it when the season starts. But with the spring season and how nervous I was that everything was going to work out um, and just all the craziness that went on, I just I think I held it all back, and then it all hit me just – this week i think it did mm-hmm. everybody else in the pod um, because now kyle and matt are all in to do on their pod and everything and rolling on and it's real it's here it's happening um and it's the it's probably the s- second or third biggest fcs matchup of the spring if you go through hero sports had their lineup we're 30 of the biggest games of the week and this one, I think, is probably the second biggest one. Outside of? All of them. Every game this year. No, I'm saying what was the first one? Oh, NDSU, the marker game. I think the marker yeah. game is the biggest one because... Um, and that's, assume- that's all FCS games for this whole spring season, you're talking? Yes, every one of them. All the MVFC, CAA, Big Sky games, all of them. There just aren't going to be... Um, as high end of matchups as you would ex- as you would hope for because 
James Madison, the CAA split themselves into two divisions. And I believe they're playing a four game schedule. And James Madison got put into the South division and all the teams there are wet toilet paper. It's like if the MVFC got split up and we had to play USD, UND, Western Illinois, and a bad Indiana State team. Like that's that's their schedule. You know, it's just it's gonna be really weird seeing how they react with having the 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 committee reacts on that, but like the big sky, if you go to the other side, they had Montana, Montana State dropout. So there goes your really high-powered matchup between them and Weber or them and Eastern Washington. So I just don't think there's going to be any games that are going to have as be as marquee of a matchup as we have coming up this weekend that is number three versus – or number two versus number five. Yep. Yeah, in the Hero Sports rankings, it's number two versus number oh, five. Sorry, six. number six. Sorry, I didn't mean to give you and I that much credit. Um, <laughs> Speaking of giving credit, I do like in your in your theoretical crappy uh, Missouri Valley Conference that you chose to include USD instead of Missouri State. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. Oops. <laughs> I didn't mean to do that. That's a shame that someone would do that. <laughs> no. So, yes, very exciting and and a huge game right off the bat, which is just, you know, it's rare because, you know, usually we're starting off with, you know, sometimes a big game with an FBS team, but mm -hmm. usually, you know, you got these cupcakes to start the season um, with these out-of-conference games. Um, and this one's just, you know, uh, here we go. Like we're we're in the thick of Missouri Valley schedule the first week out, and to to kick it off, we're starting a day earlier than everybody else. And so, yep. I wish that like ESPN or something had picked this up. Unfortunately, they did not. Um, but it sounds like um, if your local viewer, Kelloland, is going to have a streaming option for the game. Um, so make sure and they're going to gonna have it on UTV live airways as well. UTV as well. Yep, UTV if you have local channels, and I think Kello itself might be airing it. Really? But yeah, I think I think they're but yeah. they're going to be basically rebroadcasting what you and I is producing for their panther network kind of like we have the jackrabbit all access yeah so that's what they're going to be getting but yeah that's a that's a really cool deal that um kello's coming in like that hopefully they do a bunch more games because especially with basketball going on um midco's not going to be able to cover nearly as many football games as normal for tv so right. hopefully if Kello keeps stepping up and a lot of people watch, then they'll do it for the rest of the games. That would be fantastic for them. So I'm, I'm excited about that part, but from a, from a matchup standpoint, I don't think you can pick a more evenly matched high end conference battle when you're going through the history and the records. Like, yes, I love the marker game more than any other game, but when it comes to back and forth, since we've joined the MVFC with you and I, our record's five and five. Generally, there's a seed or a playoff spot on the line. And generally, usually you and I scheduled themselves into having to play for their playoff lives. 
but um, it's always a great matchup. So um, hell of a move for the conference to kick off the season like that. And I think a smart move by you and I to have the game at seven prime time on a Friday where you're going to get the most eyeballs. I mean, realistically, that's why I'm surprised an ESPN didn't pick it up because you can get football on prime time, prime time Friday night, or you can have another Lakers game with LeBron. I mean, really, that's this, <laughs> is that what gets the people going? Like, there's 86 of those games. You could just bump one of them. <laughs> yeah, no, I I agree, but um, yeah, it's and it's always interesting going down to to that um, Unidome they call it, mm-hmm. um, and it's always a dogfight down there. Um, and it's it's real interesting this year with you know the like we said no no warm up games and you know probably limited practices compared to what they normally would have um, and all the transfers and stuff that have happened so we got new people in roles that you know they've never you know had been in live games in these roles so I mean it's yeah. just kind of all crazy and then you throw into the mix um the game notes came out for the this uni game yep and if you look into the details um you know you're you're kind of wondering you know is is gibbs back you know he had the injury um you know is he back healthy yet um you know heidi stepped in did a good job last year is he gonna start um, and then we've got this highly touted recruit named Mark mm-hmm. Gronowski that, you know, is, is supposed to be really good. And so, uh, you know, we were kind of waiting for this depth chart to come out to give us some clarity, you know, because we had kind of a teaser from Zimmer saying, you know, they're not <laughs> sure who it's going to be, you know. And so we were like, man, wait till we get the depth chart. We'll find out. And of course, it's listed. Nope. QB or QB or QB. So. It's going to be one of those three, but nobody gets to know. The point is, <laughs> if it is that the the freshman in Granowski, I mean, that's just another like just crazy factor to this game of you know if if it's him having him start his very first game going to UNI is just crazy. But and he, if it's Gibbs, his first game back, I mean, is going to be tough coming back from an injury like that. Um, and I don't think Heidi's played down at UNI, I don't think. Um, and so nope. e- either way, it doesn't really matter which way they're going to go with it. It's going to be real interesting. Um, so I'm excited to see um, who they end up going with. And uh, any any other surprises for you on the depth, depth chart there you got up, got up on the screen? Well, uh, I am surprised uh, at... Pierre Strong returning kicks. Uh, generally, you don't have you know that star of a player returning kicks unless you have you have to have a big play. Um, but it also shows you how much of an emphasis they're putting on special teams. Like those those plays matter to us as much as any first and ten you know from the twenty yard line. That's what they're saying right there. Is this kickoff matters as much as any other play on the field. And if you look at, um, you know, when Cade returned some kicks and things like that, if you can flip field position with a kick return, that is 
and that's such a momentum changer, especially if the other team just scored and you can rip off a 40, 50, 60 yard or a touchdown on a kickoff. That's just sucks the oxygen out of whatever the other team just did, be it a field goal or a, or a touchdown. So I understand it. I understand why people are nervous about it. You don't want to see a star player injured on a play like that. But on the flip side, generally speaking, from when I watch football, it's not the returner that I see hurt very often on a kickoff play. It's a blocking guy or a tackler who got dump trucked or whatever. It's not generally your the guy running the ball. Um, so yeah. hopefully that's not the case. Yeah, it, the injury thing, it's kind of a, almost a misnomer. I think it's you've seen uh, teams turn to their star players a lot more um, to do some returning, especially since I think they've changed some rules to make returning a little more safe. Um, and that's that's definitely helped keep the injury numbers down. Um, and I think one indication is that, you know, with throwing strong, doing um, – is it kick returns or punt returns? Uh, uh, kick returns. Strong suit and kick returns because my other surprise is the punt returner a little bit, to be honest with you. Right. So, so you got strong doing kick returns. I mean, that's an indicator that, like, you know, some people are like, ah, it's just a spring season. It's kind of a throwaway deal. You know, the real season will start in the fall. I mean, we have Pierre Strong uh, preseason. Well, uh, should be preseason All-American. One, well, he's a hero. We acknowledge hero sports around here. Yeah, and until Craig Haley comes on the show and defends snubbing Pierre <laughs> Strong, we do not acknowledge stats. So <laughs> yeah. no, he's not a consensus preseason All-American, but the the real the good um, the media research they have him as an All-American. But anyway, we've got him back there returning kicks. And so, I mean, that, that just shows you how seriously we're taking this season. And, I mean, uh, they're they're going all in. Um, I think that, you know, we, we've got a really good team and um, you might as well get after it. Yeah, I mean, they, they're not holding anything back. They want a national championship. Um, you know, uh, it's this team is super invested. It is super invested. Um, I've heard that the uh, this the the team voted on rules for this season coming up, and when it pertains to COVID and things like that, and the team themselves voted: if you get caught downtown or at a party, you get a one week suspension from the team. The team voted that themselves. College guys, who I mean, let's be honest: you most guys do school athletics and then your social life is a lot of either a house party or the bar so for them to vote that down they want this worse than anything so and i think putting pierre back there at kick returner really does put that out there as there we're all in we're not gonna mess around with this season yep and then at, at punt returner you've got our best wide receiver I mean, that was right. K, K. Johnson before. K. Johnson's not with us anymore. Our yeah. best wide receiver now is Jack, Jackson Yankee. And he's our punt returner, which let's hope that he has done a lot of um, hand drills and ball security drills um, because it was an issue last year. I mean, uh, we can address the elephant in the room. It was a definite issue that 
uh, made, I mean, you look at are your loss to you and I in the playoffs. Um, yeah. You know, there was one there. And, um, uh, you know, uh, another guy that had fumble issues is not with the team anymore, CJ Wilson. Um, yeah. And so hopefully we see some uh, better ball security in the return game because I think that our both our offensive defense are are good enough that if we don't make mistakes like that, we're going to win most games. But yep. if you're turning the ball over like that, all bets are off. Yeah, um, and you know I'm with you there. Uh, it, it, that's why that one's a little bit of a double surprise. Um, I think that shows the the coaching staff has a lot of faith in you know Jackson. So I got faith that he's you know got that issue fixed. Um, there's a lot. There's a lot of players out there that had that issue when they were young, and now and then they get used to playing the game, and they, it stops being an issue. So you can't deny what he did prior as a punt returner was phenomenal. So I a hundred percent understand having him back there. The guy is an absolute, absolute spark plug. I mean, he had the first punt return for a touchdown that we've had in what since Paul Anderson did it in 07 against the bison or something. Mm. <laughs> but, but, um, you know, looking at it here, the other interesting thing, the other, or we have a little bit of gamesmanship from Stig is the linebacker position. Mm-hmm. for the Will and Mike. They've got Preston Tetzlaff listed as the starter and then the backup, but if you look, it says or. And the other interesting with that thing with that is it's two redshirt freshmen that are going to be starting. One of them will be starting in the game. So that tells you how loaded the linebacker room really is if you've got that sort of talent at that age group able to play right away. Yeah. Definitely. It'll be, and that, that's kind of a question mark that I've had, you know, with Roseboom gone um, and Seven Wilson gone, you know, who, who fills in, um, yep. you know, and, and what does that, what does that group look like? Um, one question I do have that I should have asked before and I didn't notice it until now, and I'm going to go out on limb here and maybe make myself look stupid. Where is Levi Brown? Um, Levi, I think, wasn't he a senior last year? No, or no, or was he? Did he opt out this year? He very well could have. It's very possible. You should ask questions that we don't know the answers to. I told you, show. Why, why? We already <laughs> we already looked stupid with the senior ball thing. Why are you doing it to us twice? I just oh so my I, God. I hadn't heard that. <laughs> and maybe I don't maybe it's maybe this is some news. I, I don't know. because I, I feel like we talked about this not that long ago and we were like, yeah, it'll be Bacchus and Brown and who and maybe Tesloff. And I don't see Levi Brown on there. So that's an interesting development that we'll have to look into. Yeah, that is interesting. I uh didn't didn't see that. Uh, he very, very well may have a injury, John, uh, who just commented on there. Um, I know we do have Xavier Ward with an injury as well. So, um, oh, he, he might be injured. So, thanks, John. Thanks. Uh, if he you. was injured, then that would answer it. But I hadn't hadn't heard that he was injured. So, um, 
that's news to me. And, and it's big news because he's a playmaker. He's a really good linebacker. Yep. And if, if we don't have him, um, you know, it's, it's just another new body. I mean, Tetzloff did get a lot of playing time last year. So I think he'll be one of the, one of the three linebackers, but yep. if Brown's not out there, you're putting somebody out there. That's never, uh, I, I don't know if any, I don't know if they've got any game time outside of, outside of Backus and Tetzloff. Well, I think they all got a lot of uh, a lot more game time than they normally would have, especially with the four game redshirt rule that was in place. So they could play yeah. four games. So they've got I, I know they've got snaps under their belt. They've some. they've taken some snaps. Um, Not but, much. I mean, there's there's a lot of ta- there's a lot of talent in the linebacker room, and you know, I mean, look at last year. At Yankee coming out and just tearing it up as a freshman. Yeah, and, no, I, and, I have confidence and, in and, them. But and if you look up. at the depth chart, they're both guys over sophomore that are playing over sophomores. So it's not like it just fell through and we didn't have anybody back there as well. No doubt. I mean, I've got confidence in them, but at the same time, and it's a young. I mean, you got Bacchus as a senior. Yep. And Tetzloff is a senior, but outside of that, you're looking at sophomores and redshirt freshmen. And you know, you would have had Brown, who's a junior. Um, it's just, you know, we've we've had such a solid linebacking core for a long time. It's just, um, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out, um, especially with Brown if he's injured. Um, what how they're going to fill that fill in that hole? But um, well, it realistically too, though, like you said, you know, Tetzloff's a senior. And um, so is Bacchus. And Bacchus is All-American status in my book. So mm-hmm. you're going to have both of those guys on the field, at least one of them on the field most likely at all times to mm-hmm. sort everything out when it comes to the linebacker position. And realistically, you'll have one, some at times two, depending on who gets subbed out, younger guys. But they're going to have that senior le- leadership by them to kind of s- steady the ship as it will. It's not like it's all underclassmen or all guys who haven't started and don't have big game experience or anything like that. Yeah, no, I, I agree. It's it, a huge help to have a guy like Bacchus and, and Tetzloff out there really leading them, but it'll be interesting nonetheless. Um, another interesting spot is the wide receiver spot. Um, you got, uh, sorry, I you just put it away, but I just Jax, put it away. Yeah. You got the Yankee brothers. Um, you know, they got on the field together a little bit last year, but not much. Uh, they're going to be on the field together a lot, a lot this year. Um, yeah. Which, which will be fun to see because I mean, they're definitely a dynamic duo that um, I think that, you know, Jackson's already had a lot of success and I think you'll see Jaden start to really step into a, a nice role there as well. Um, and then you've got the new guy, Kenyon Bauer, who was a, yep. a speedy prospect out of O'Gorman and Sioux Falls. And then another local kid in Mason Layton, who's a transfer from DSU. So um, it, it's uh, it'll be interesting seeing how they develop, too, because that's uh, got some big shoes to fill with Kay Johnson stepping out and um, Adam Anderson um, graduating. Yeah, and these guys are going to get a lot of opportunity when you have um, a guy like Cade Johnson leave and 
and then you have an all-American running back in the backfield all and turmoil at the quarterback position, at least from the outside. So teams are going to be game planning to stop Pierre Strong and the run attack. So these guys are going to have opportunities to get one-on-one battles and really make some teams hurt. And I'm looking to see some big gashes out of play action. It's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, and a name that I'm real excited to see on there is Zach Hines at tight end. I think that he is going to be huge this year. I think it's especially, you know, with this a newer wide receiver core, um, I think the quarterbacks can be relying on him a lot because he was real exciting to watch until he got injured last year. Um, and so it's going to be fun to see how he comes back from that injury and, and takes off because I think, I think he's going to be a huge player for us. He is. Um, it's a bummer that uh, Coons got hurt as well. He's the other one for sure injured, I remember hearing. Um, but, yeah, Hines, I mean, he was really coming into his own last year. So I'm really looking to see him take off, and especially in the red zone. I mean, the dude's a monster. He's 6'7". That guy just post up a linebacker in the end zone and throw it in the air. He should be able to get a touchdown. So, And a big tight end is your quarterback's best friend, no matter – whether it's Gibbs or Heidi or Gronowski starting, I mean, it's going to be awesome for them to have that sort of safety valve. And he probably will be another focus of defenses. So it's even more opportunity for these receivers on the outside to be able to get some opportunities to have the ball in their hands and make some plays. Mm-hmm. Another interesting note on the depth chart is that you have Isaiah Davis listed as the number two behind Pierre Strong. Um, and I believe they must only list two because I, Meacham is fully eligible and ready to go, right? The I, I the, believe he is. The transfer from... As a grad transfer from Sacred yeah. Heart. Yeah, Sacred Heart, and he, I don't know if if anybody's ever seen any of the film from the spring game or any practices, Um, he is number eight on there, and he's the one that the camera had to catch up to because he was flying by so fast. Um, That kid looks like he's got some speed to him, and so uh, between Strong and Davis, who's a promising um, kind of a bruiser back, and then uh, Meacham, uh, we have a real, real solid um, running backfield there. Yeah, a hundred percent. I mean, and for Davis to beat out a kid with the pedigree of Meacham, just from the pedigree alone as a grad transfer, having already been an accomplished thousand yard rusher, you know, that's a, that's a, says a lot about what Davis has done and how talented he can be. So the, the sky's the limit for the run game for us, as far as I'm concerned. And as we well know, you know, from, years past the coaches are not shy about using three to four different running backs during the game. And, you know, we saw that with William strong and, um, and, uh, Oh my God, Mikey Daniels, mm-hmm. you know? So I'm sure we're going to see plenty of rotation in the running backs to get everybody the ball throughout the game, just through different packages and, and ways they want to attack the defense and down and distance Definitely. and all that jazz. So, and it, it starts up front. I mean, we've got, we've got a promising O line that I got a lot a lot of guys returning. Um, so, you know, I I have big expectations for our, our offensive line this year too. Yeah, 
Oh, huge expectations for those guys. Um, with what we have returning and the game experience up and down the line, I mean, there's barely a guy in there who hasn't seen a snap, you know, a meaningful snap. And mm-hmm. with the injuries and rotating through, really excited to see how that turns out. Um, you know, and and it's interesting to see, you know, you have a guy like Eddie Miller who got beat out for last left guard who was the starter last year. I mean, mm-hmm. but at the same time, we all know that Mason McCormick played a lot last year. So, it, but boy, there's some big boys this year. I mean, there's hardly a fella under 300 pounds. Right. It's just there's some serious sides of beef up on that O line, and, and uh, as we've seen, I mean that's what you need in the Missouri Valley to be successful. You need to be able to rely on your offensive line uh, mm-hmm. to have a solid run game and protect your quarterback, because the other guys, D linemen, are coming at you and they're big and fast. And you know, NDSU every single year they've had a dominant team, they've had a dominant offensive line. Yep, and that's so what they're going for. Yeah, and so if we can have that, uh, it's uh, there. There'll be good things to come for sure. Absolutely. Uh, another exciting, and I, I'm, I'm stuck on this depth chart, but it's so exciting to see it come out because we've wanted such to a see depth it. chart guy. I am like I was just <laughs> jacked to see it, but uh, you know, I, I know you guys talked in the other pod about how deep our D line is, but I mean, it's you look freaky. at the, the names on there, which is awesome because, I mean, it, that's another, you know, uh, calling card of a really good team is having a deep D line that you can rotate guys in and out, keep them fresh and yep. not lose talent level. And we'll be able to do that uh, at every D line position, which is yep. insane. And it says a lot to our recruiting. Um, I mean, you got a guy like that Brandon Lane, who is, a monster and a huge prospect that you know should come in and dominate he's third on the depth chart and i think we'll see him get snaps but i mean it's just crazy to to think that we've got that much depth well and you look at this d-line and what we saw out of them last year i can't help but let my mind wander to the possibility of them being like the the Buccaneers D line was the last two playoff games where if you get behind them that you get to unleash those guys on the on the offense when they have to throw you're just screwed and I just look I mean it and you think about how good our D line was last year <clears throat> here's something that's super exciting to me our defensive line was pretty damn good last year but you look at the nose tackle position and the crock pot last year last year he just wasn't himself he wasn't fully back from that injury and from all reports he's he's back back now this year so seeing him mixed in with that d line from last year not saying he didn't play but him at full speed with that d line just makes me giggle already and i want to break a you know a hard hat over the side <laughs> of the bleachers just yeah. so bad and yeah, oh man, I am. I know, Woo! and I mean, let's let's round it out. We might as well. Our defensive backfield, um, you know, between Gardner and Lofton starting cornerbacks, mm-hmm. you've got very capable backups and Gales and Union. Um, that's an you know, you got some nice depth there. Um, you got Michael Griffin the second coming back. He's been a real um, solid player for us, and then you've got. Uh, well, so they have Griffin and Stalberg listed as or at free safety, and then Norblade and Manchagai listed as or at strong safety. 
Mm-hmm. So there's some there's some depth there too. So I mean, I I don't think that expectations could be. I mean, we talked about high expectations for the offensive line. Expectations right. for our defense as a whole are oh. just through the roof. Yeah, absolutely. Between the, roof. between the amount of guys we got coming back from last year and the depth that we have behind those guys, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, I don't. We should like seven points a game. Is that realistic? Seven, seven, giving up seven points a game. <laughs> that's wow. Oh, that's historic. I think the best NDSU defense of all time, which means it's probably the best FCS defense of all time, gave up like 12 points a game. They give up seven points a game. We're not just winning the Natty, we're winning the Natty by like 40 points. Okay. Um, no, so no, I, I don't expect that, but. Uh, yeah, clearly our expectations are very high and for good reason. Um, we do take a little bit of a hit with if Brown is injured, um, having him in there just steps it up another notch. But outside of Brown, it looks like we're very healthy on defense and I cannot wait to see him get out there and and bother you and I um, and their little, little water bug quarterback. Right. Well, and you know, he's going to be tough to take down and you know, we we all remember how last season happened and this realistically is going to be the third time we've played you and I in four games, I believe. That's true. Because yeah, we played him we played him the regular season, then we played USD, then we played you and I in the playoffs. And mm-hmm. now we're playing you and I to start the season. And there's two things that to me are really um make me feel excited about this game besides talking about this defense. And the number one thing is, you know, especially the defense has got to be pissed about how that playoff game went down because watching that game, it felt like we were the better team and we just kind of gave it away, you know, through some, through, turnovers and fluky plays and all that stuff. And you know the defense just has to be livid because they gave up some touchdowns. I'm sure they didn't feel they should have gave up when they were put in bad situations in the first place. So you know they're going to have an axe to grind coming into this game, especially on the defensive side. Then the second one is... First of all, let me comment. They gave up a touchdown. A touchdown. I apologize. I'm sure they gave a touchdown up that... They were put in a bad spot for, I know that. And I'm sure they're still mad about it. I mean, that's how those guys are. I didn't want to talk about that game because it's still a sore spot for me. But let's talk about Well, I wasn't going to talk about that much of it. I was just going to touch on it and go by. Why are you making me stop like this and relive bad memories? Because we scored sick. We came out and scored 10 points in the first two drives. Against them, it was ten to zero after our first two offensive drives in the first quarter, and then the second quarter went poorly for us. We were still up ten to three at half, so you're thinking, you know, we'll get it together second half. Well, we didn't, and so I, I think I'm hoping, and I'm, I'm pretty sure that's going to be some pretty heavy motivation because a lot of these guys were on that team, and so I'm hoping they, they use that has some fuel and uh, go out and get some revenge. Well, I mean, and if you think about it, that it kind of feeds into my second point. They've had not an off season, but a whole off season. And then another year basically 
to sit and stew on that, have to hit your teammates. I mean, everybody's been through two-a-days and how sick and tired you are of practicing with and going against your teammates. Now make that two-a-days 116 practices worth of walkthroughs, two-a-days, and scrimmages is what Stig had figured out on his uh, – he gave uh, – they had the video of him previewing the game up on the GoJacks Twitter account, right? 116 over the span of five, six months. And how much you would just want to go hit somebody else. Mm-hmm. And that's and that's part of why I'm really glad that um, we are going through the spring season. Because, yeah, I know all the, all the arguments against it. But these kids, these guys have been told for this long and gone through hell to be able to play this season. You can't take it away from them, though. They've put too much in. I mean, it better be a hell of a circumstance to stop it. And I know COVID's a hell of a circumstance, but, I mean, it better be, like, absolutely undeniable in your face. Nobody in their right mind can tell them to stop. You can go on, you know? Yeah. But, man, I'm excited for that first first series and – just watching how that turns out. Are we going to be too amped up? Are we going to, are they going to be too amped up? Who's going to be the steady team? What's the first series looks like? There's so many questions that we haven't had an answer to for a year now that I just want to know. I just want to know. And I am damn glad we're playing in a dome. So nobody can cancel the game on us because of weather. (laughs) I'm so glad about that. I'm so yeah. glad about that. Yeah, which uh, that uh, we'll talk about that in a little bit. But uh, so, yes, super excited about this game. Um, if you have listened to us in the past, you'll remember that we usually touch on FCS as a whole, especially Missouri Valley. Um, and then we do some uh, picks of games. And so what we want to do is for sure, well, this week we're just going to pick the Missouri Valley games. There's not much going on the rest of the FCS anyway. Um, What I did want to touch on was the preseason top 25 poll, um, which uh, normally we use any given Saturday, which is a a very respected top 25 poll. Um, This year we're going to go with the Hero Sports uh, poll, which um, uh, Brendan's had... um, um, I forget the name now. Sam Herter and Brian McLaughlin. There you go. They've both been on our program. Everybody's heard them. If yeah, you haven't so heard them, you should hear them. Those guys are very good at covering FCS football, so their poll is very well respected as well. And they've got um, NDSU up top, SDSU second, and then Weber State, James Madison, Villanova, and then Northern Iowa is at six. Um, other notable teams on there, Illinois State is nine. And Southern Illinois is 16, and I believe that rounds out the uh, Missouri Valley teams on there. So we got four, sure does. Oh, five, five, excuse me, five teams in the top 20, in the top 16. So half of the Valley teams that are playing are in the top 25 or in the top 20. Yeah, so it's going to be a grind. Um, obviously, you know we're sitting at number two, very high expectations. You know it's it's kind of become something we've taken for granted at this point of, you know, right. Oh yeah, we're, we're top five. Like that's just what we are. It's what we do. 
Yeah. Which it's, it's when you step back and think, you know, uh, it's, it's hard, you know, it, oh, I remember it, a decade ago when we were excited to end the season in the top 25. Mm-hmm. That was a thing. That was a big thing. Is that an ultra? Are you drinking a Michelob ultra? I'm not. It's a real nice, it's a blue moon. Oh, okay. Blue light moon. sky. Right. I've had blue moon. Oh yeah. I know. It's a light sky though. And so it's kind of the, it's the ultra of blue moon. Oh, oh, well, all right. What, did you just get done running or what? Uh, yeah, clearly. <laughs> For your carbs? Mm-hmm. No. <laughs> but it is good. But anyway. Not to distract from the top 25. Back to the top 25, yes. It's uh, clearly high expectations for our roster and our team as a whole. Um, I forget. I think we were the second or third in terms of, like, uh, the the betting lines for winning the national championship, um, and so yeah, I, I, I don't know. Have expectations ever been higher preseason than they are right now? I mean, I maybe with maybe when like Christian Winicky and Goddard. Yeah, you know that they're right up there with that. I think it's to the point where expectations kind of always are around national title like it hasn't Mm -hmm. happened per se but i think the fan base is to the point where we expect a national title um you know with where we're at for time i won't delve into that too deep but (laughs) um you know realistically i think it's starting to become something of a foregone conclusion to the fan base that we're a national title to contender that's what we should be that's what we do we're a national title contender Mm -hmm. um you know, and that's awesome. That's phenomenal for the program. I don't think we've ever been ranked number two out of the gate, though. That's so. Yeah, I don't think that's happened. We weren't up that high. Um, the only way I think the expectations would have been higher in this matchup could have had more fanfare was if it happened this fall, mm-hmm. when you and I hadn't lost fall five All Conference and All American players you know, going into the matchup and we hadn't lost Cade and all that stuff. I think that's the only way the fanfare for this game and the lead up would have been higher. Mm-hmm. But I mean, really, um, you know, McNeese played last weekend against Tarleton state, but this is kind of the actual kickoff game of the spring season. And you couldn't pick a bit better game to kick off the FCS season with between number three and number six. Are you kidding me? And if you go to the Athlon polls flipped basically, and they're number three and we're number five or something. So what, what more could you want to start the season? And the tough thing is, is Whoever loses their backs against the wall right now. Yeah. Yeah. That's the thing is, and I think you guys touched on it pretty heavily in the other pods. So we don't want to go too much into the playoffs, but it's a, a shorter or a smaller field this year. Um, and so you got to make sure I mean, you don't have out of conference games to pad your, pad your record anymore. Um, and so, yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be a tough season, and that's it. Does make it exciting that every single game is huge now? That you know, you just you can't afford to lose. No, you can't. And whoever loses this game, like you're to the point where you probably can't afford to lose another game, and that includes NDSU through the rest of the season. Um, and it better you better have a close game with NDSU if you do lose that one to earn that spot. Um. So, yeah, 
I don't want to say it's a must win, but it's pretty close. I mean, every game this season with the 16-team playoffs is going to be close to a must-win game. That you we're not you're not going to be allowed to stub your toe. You won't make the playoffs. So yeah, um, yeah. Right side, it's only eight games. Yeah, we're used to having you know three, four uh, MVSC teams in there. Maybe even was there five at one point? Um, yeah, there was a year with five. Um, and so we're used to that with a sixteen-team playoff. Uh, you're getting two, maybe three. Maybe three. Borderline is three. Um, so yeah, if you're not the top two in the league, you might not get in the playoffs, which would be kind of a crazy deal. But um yeah. yeah, I mean, obviously the goal is to you know get one of the top seeds, host some playoff games, which this year could be in some nice weather. Right. How which, bonkers would that be? Yeah, and I'm hoping we're hoping by then the the stadium capacity can be expanded um it sounds like right now it's going to be pretty limited we won't touch on the home game stuff yet because we got a couple weeks before a home game but um yeah it's uh it's going to be a wild season so um let's stick stick to this week and let's go ahead and we've got the other two missouri valley matchups well there's supposed to be three uh today we learned that the game between Illinois State and Missouri State has been postponed. Yes, because and, of weather. Yeah, with field conditions and weather, which uh, it's <sighs> it's it's tough for us to fathom that. Um, and and before anybody goes, well, it's a terrible cold snap, and that's what's happening. No, I looked at the weather. The weather they're going to have Saturday is not any worse than a Jackrabbit playoff game. It's happened over and over and over and over. So get out of my face with that nonsense right now. And field could, like, what could have happened to their field? Like, did it get snow on it? Yeah, and, I think it's got and, snow on it, and they don't have the um, like equipment to get it off. Well, I'm assuming their thought process is equipment, but I mean, at Jack's games, we're shoveling the 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 lines off with snow shovels of people running back and forth. So don't give me this equipment nonsense. You've got yeah. a week. You've got a whole three four days to prepare. Get some shovels. Get out there and shovel it off. Yeah, it's a big field. Yeah, it's going to be a pain in the ass. Just do it. So I I think it's a in our eyes I think it's a cop out. It's and and they did have like a buffer week in there where you know they they were able to move it back to the end of the schedule and still you know get it in but i mean you start messing around and doing stuff like that and you know you might not get enough games in because another one has to be canceled because of covid or something i mean i just uh, it's very surprising that they went that route but um, and for if anybody's wondering, plaster is uh, artificial turf. It's not natural. I believe we were the only natural turf uh, stadium left when we had Coughlin alumni. And now, yeah, and yeah. so I'm pretty sure plaster has uh, has astroturf. Um, but the, here's the only reason. Here's the only excuse I could give them that um, I would understand. They are in that southern region that is having huge electrical problems and huge travel problems. So if it was, 
I mean, our basketball team, we didn't touch on this. I should have. Um, but the basketball team didn't get back into Brookings until like Tuesday or Wednesday. Mm-hmm. Tuesday, like yesterday, because travel was so bad down south. So it, it's possible that Illinois State wasn't going to be able to get there. But they cited field conditions, so the only real excuse I would have meant, they said weather and field conditions, so either they were worried they weren't going to be able to get there or they were worried about rolling blackouts and not being able to have power at appropriate times in the stadium. Yeah. But I don't know if Missouri's touched by that much or not. I don't think they are. I I work in the power field. I'm pretty sure it's kind of uh, isolated to Texas at this point in terms of the energy problems. And so, yeah, I, I think it's a, it's a weak argument. And one thing they might have looked at, too, is, you know, if we can push it back, they push it back to like April 17th or something, two months yep. away. You know, maybe they're thinking, well, maybe they can get more fans by then. I, I don't know. Uh, I, I, I honest, honest to God, I think it's just uh, Southerners being Southerners. <laughs> I, I'm serious, awesome. you know, I mean. They're like, it's 27 degrees. That's inhumane to play in. And like 27 degrees and cloudy without a wind. Play the game. Right. Play the football game. Yeah. So as you can tell, we're a little salty about that one. Um, ah. So with them bowing out, uh, and yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll leave it at that. Um, we're down to three Missouri Valley games for the weekend. Um, we'll start with uh, Youngstown State at NDSU. Um, I didn't tell Brendan the line for this game before. Um, I guess <laughs> if you can touch on what Youngstown State's got going on and and a little bit about that game. Well, in my opinion, Youngstown State this year is going to be a dumpster fire because they had to replace Bo Pelini, and then the pandemic happened, and they lost all their good players and their quarterback and. Yeah, their D line, all their top at D linemen, and they had so many transfers that they used to get to fill these gaps, and that doesn't seem to be their new coach's style, which is a good thing. But if you're replacing someone whose style that that is, that is going to lead to a bad season because you're going to have big holes that you're not going to plug with transfers. You're going to plug with recruiting the right way and building the whole team. So instead of going as transfer heavy as Bo Pelini did, so you're going to have some nasty holes. And then being a new coach, getting a new coaching staff, and trying to install a new football system into, on, on a team during a pandemic, and then you have to travel to Fargo for your first game as a coaching staff. I mean, first games as a coaching staff are usually fairly rough anyways, let alone going up to Fargo, where those guys haven't gotten to play forever and are probably just as pissed off as everybody else except they're just better than Youngstown State by a lot. So guessing about the line, and that's why you didn't tell me, and we, we agreed for you to not tell me. I'm going to guess I'm gonna guess it's 36 and a half points. If you like NDSU by that much, then you should bet on them because the line's only 22 and a half. Oh, well then. Huh. Which I think I don't. I don't think they'll win by thirty six. I just have seen lines for NDSU games before, and they're absurd. So I figured they'll. Be yeah. Creepy. Which is still, I mean, that's pretty high for a for a conference matchup. 
um, even though it's at NDSU. Um, I think that it's I, – I still think – I think it's a little high. I mean, that's over three touchdowns. And you got NDSU replacing their quarterback and other big grad, um, guys that have graduated and, and left the program. So, I mean, there's some unknowns on their side of the, the fence too. So it'll be interesting, uh, an interesting weekend to see how everybody comes comes looking um, with all the changes that, have, that we've had. Right. And the only reason I would think that they can surpass that is something I've noticed with NDSU sort of slowly happening. They seem to be getting away from being defense first, just from the outside looking in. If you look, all their big pro prospects aren't linebackers as much. I mean, yeah, Jabril Cox, but you know, they have first round draft pick offensive lineman, possibly first round draft pick quarterback. And they're so focused on quarterback recruiting. They're getting known for quarterback recruiting. If you look at their defense last year, they weren't the NDSU defenses of old. I mean, I said it in the other pod, if we'd have had our, excuse me, our starting quarterback go down in the first quarter of a game against them in marker games past, We've all seen what happens when they lock down on a one-dimensional team, and we mm-hmm. were still able to rush for 240 yards or something on them. So they're they're starting to get a little more offensive leaning. So I think they're going to put up a lot more points than normal, especially against bad teams where they used to just run and control the ball. Mm-hmm. I think uh, I think they'll put a lot of points up against them. Yeah. So, what are you are you are you picking NDSU to? I'm gonna uh, take I'm gonna take that absurd line just because I can't come out and say that Youngstown State's a dumpster fire and have a whole you know rant mm-hmm. about it and then come out and, and talk about it. I think they're gonna score points and then and, not take their line take that line and predicted a 36. I mean, you got to take 22 well, and a half. All right, backstory on saying the 36, the way you presented that line when you were like, what do you think they were picked at? I was like, oh, this is going to be an absolutely ludicrous line, so I'm going to guess 36. I mean, it's large. It's large for a, a, a conference game. Um, So you're taking NDSU? Yeah, I'll take NDSU. Why not? What the hell? All right, I'm going to take Youngstown State because I think it's too big for the first game. Um, I think there's going to be a little feeling out process for both teams. And I think Youngstown State will hang in there by three touchdowns. I am nervous because on the flip side of the new coach thing is NDSU will have no film on what's going to happen. It's very true. Yeah, they could come out with a whole new um, scheme. Yeah, I haven't paid attention to them. They might be running triple option for all I know. (laughs) Right. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. So the the other uh, the other game in the Missouri Valley beside ours is Southern Illinois at UND. Um, as I mentioned before, Southern Illinois sitting at sixteen on the preseason poll. So I think there's some pretty high expectations for them this year. Yeah, I mean, if uh, you think way back to the last season we had, Southern Illinois was kind of the biggest snub of the playoffs mm-hmm. to not get in. I mean, they were the there. Usually, there's one team every year that the media talks about is like, "Wow, I can't believe they got in." And Southern Illinois was that team. They ended hot. Um, 
they ended on a three or four game winning streak, I think, or they, they ended re- the season really well. Um, they looked like they should have got in. They should have had some good games and uh, they, they just didn't get in. So that's kind of the thing I look at, you know, if I'm going to rank a team going into the next year or predict a team making a playoffs next year is it is a team that just missed and returned a lot. And I believe Southern Illinois returns a fairly good chunk of that team. Obviously they lost um, Jeremy Chin, who was an absolute monster on defense, but as a whole, they were starting to play defense a little bit and you, you don't, it takes more than one cornerback to start to play defense. So I think that'll continue and they will be pretty good this year. Yeah. I think, I think we can say that it's a program that's headed in the right, in the right direction. Um, they've obviously in the Missouri Valley got an uphill battle, but um, yeah, I think, I think they'll do some good things this year. So they're playing at UND and Southern Illinois is favored by two and a half points. Ooh, well, you know, Southern Illinois can score points, but you also know UND comes from the big sky where they see everybody score points. Um, but I do have more confidence in Southern Illinois coming in with an already Missouri MVFC lines that know how to play that style of ball going against the big sky style of team still. And just the sort of recruits that we've seen them bring in the last couple of years, I think Southern Illinois definitely is going to have the upper hand. So I do think they'll win by more than a field goal. Yeah. So speaking of um, UND, I guess let's welcome them to the Missouri Valley conference. No. Right. No, I'm not welcoming him. You can't, <laughs> you can't make me. So we did. I, let's, I almost forgot about it because it was like, you know, it was going to happen in the fall, but it didn't happen. So right. you've got um, Indiana State who left and we replaced them with UND. Right. Which I think was a, a good thing for the conference um, to get another local team in. Um, Indiana State was kind of limp it along anyway. Um, you, you can argue that it could have been a better team get in, but I guess what are your thoughts on UND being in the Missouri Valley? <sighs> My thoughts on UND being in the Missouri Valley is um, it's great if Western Illinois and like a Youngstown State leaves. Mm. But until then, I hate with every fiber in my body what it does because of the way they're going to split the conference, basically geographically, Mm. your Eastern schools, your Western Illinois, Southern Illinois, Illinois state, um, Missouri state and Youngstown, all, all those teams, Indiana state, that's going to be such a weaker division than playing UNI, NDSU and SDSU every year. Like that's, it's going to be so unbalanced and it makes me furious, but there's nothing that it used to make me mad. I've just kind of accepted it now. <laughs> um, that's why I'm salty at UND and my backyard neighbors, a UND fan. So I like to give him crap. Um, <laughs> he always threatens to take down my jackrabbit flag, but it's uh, um, from a conference perspective for the summit league. I loved it. It's great mm-hmm. from the, MVFC, I just don't like it. I, I mean, it'll be cool for it'll be an easy away game to go to, you mm-hmm. know, right up there with NDSU. We can run there. That's cool. But I just absolutely loathe what it does from a scheduling standpoint. The Missouri Valley's hard enough 
let alone when you have to try to win an auto bid and half the teams get to skate out. There's going to be teams not playing us and NDSU every year while we have to play you and I and NDSU every year. And that's going to be just such a shit situation. Yeah, that's that's a definitely a tough aspect of it. Um, it will be interesting to see if there's any more conference movement because, like you said, it would be nice to have a balanced schedule. And I think it's possible that we could see – a little more realignment, but we'll see going forward. Um, let's stay on task here because we said we were going to be at an hour and we're pushing you an hour said, and a half. I so, said hour and a half. I say that. So let's make sure <laughs> under an hour and a half. What do you got? SIU uh, minus two and a half versus UND. It's, it's, it's the same as I picked when you asked me last time. You still got SIU. Gotcha. Yeah. I will take SIU as well. Um, then we go to the big one, like you said, one of the top two or three games in the FCS oh. all year. Um, we got which crazy enough, this this game opened up with SDSU as six point favorites, which uh is just nuts. Um, but rightfully so, the line has settled down. Um, it's at I'm gonna call it two and a half because it's it's at um. Northern Iowa's plus three, but it's minus 125. So it's essentially two and a half. Um, so we'll pick it at SDSU minus two and a half versus okay. Northern Iowa. What are you picking? Uh, that line sucks. Um, two and a half. Mm-hmm. Which that, you know, uh, beforehand I was thinking it was three and a half and I was going to go you and I because our history there is not great. I mean, we're two and four there at you and I. I believe since 2010, um, most of our wins are by like three points or less, and their wins have been by 15, an average of 15 point victories. Um, it's just a hard, it's a hard place for us to play. I mean, it's I, I would honestly rather play in the Fargo Dome almost at this point, but um, two and a half. I'll. T- I'll take the Jacks. I think I think we'll win by a field goal. I got to take the Jacks too. Uh, if it was plus six, I'd be real tempted to take you uh, and I. I think that'd be the smart pick. But um, now that it's down under three, I think that's more of a representation of what it should be. Um, if I'll put a caveat. It, the crazy thing is we don't even know who is starting a quarterback for SDSU yet. Right. Um, apparently there's enough confidence even throughout our whole other, the rest of our roster that it doesn't even matter who's starting a quarterback that they still think we're going to win. Um, because of that, I will take SDSU, but I am nervous that if it is, whether if it's Gibbs, you know, what if he's fully healthy off of his injury, if it's Heidi, if he's you know developed a little more because you know there were some holes in his game. If it's Gronowski, you know how's he going to perform in his first game? Um, so that makes me nervous. But um, I think our defense is talented enough that I, I don't think our offense will have to do um, that much to to win by a field goal. So I'll take SDSU as well. Right on. So it's settled. So let it be written. So let it be done. Good deal. Well. 
we'll we'll wrap it up like that. Uh, I think going forward, we'll do separate basketball and football pods so they don't get so long. But uh, yes. thanks everybody for sticking in there for this one. Um, we uh, thought we had enough pods out, so we figured we'd keep it into one. But um, yeah, other than that, you got any parting words? I don't have any uh, parting words. It's the game's on ESPN Plus. Uh, you can go to the Kelloland website. Uh, they'll have tell you what channels it's on as well. Um, it's also on the Panther Nation website, but I don't know for the life of me why you would pay for their Panther thing when it's going to be on the things we normally use. Other than that, hope everybody has a great weekend and we get a whole mess of Jackrabbit W's. Yeah, well, that's the thing. Get get two screens going um, on Friday night because at at uh, seven o'clock, SDSU football tips off or kicks off, not tips off, kicks off at UNI, and then at seven thirty, SDSU versus NDSU basketball tips off, um, and so you'll have to get both of those on the screen. Um, rooting on which, uh, how how often does this happen? Let's uh, take it in and enjoy it, I guess. And- and is the men's game on Midco? I think it is. The men's and women, the basketball. I couldn't tell you. Uh, it's it's always an adventure trying to figure out how I'm going to watch basketball games. <laughs> well, so. well, we'll figure it out and post it on our Twitter accounts. Be sure yep. to follow Jackrabbit Illustrated, um, at Jack Illustrated. Uh, follow me and Ben on Twitter. Leave a like, a review, whatever, on all of the podcasts and everything like that. Yep. Other than that. Go big, go blue, go Go Jacks. Jacks. Woo!